morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to Quick Hitters, volume number seven. One of my favorite formats to do a podcast in is the Quick Hitter format. And we've got some guests lined up this week that are going to be really, really good. We're going to hit a wide variety of topics and it's going to be some really, really good stuff that can help you out as a coach. Of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Go check out a pen and a napkin.com, the website associated with everything that we do here at a pen and a napkin. A lot of good stuff there. And again, at some point, these government lesson plans are going to be over, and I'm going to be able to do some reorganizing with that. Uh, if you would like to check out some videos from a pen and a napkin university feel free to email me or you can dm me on twitter and speaking of twitter be sure to follow us on twitter at a pen and a napkin coach jamie smith the head girls basketball coach at solon high school in solon iowa coach how are you doing tonight Uh, i'm doing great marty how are you uh you know i'm hanging in there it's been kind of a chaotic day but it's good it's first world chaos uh all good and uh, just looking forward to, to talking to you here for uh, the next 15, 20 minutes here on program building. That's going to be our lead topic here. Uh, you guys have done a great job with that. Uh, you know, kind of a perennial power here in the ranks of Iowa girls basketball. So, so Coach, other than, you know, getting really good players and letting them play, what are you guys doing right over there? Um, you know, I, I think, you know, it's kind of a, well, number one, we have some good players. Um, <laughs> you can't... Uh, you, you you can't beat that, and you know these kids they weren't they weren't born players. Yeah. Um, maybe Smash Lab, you know, people I think lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got a lot of kids that spend a lot of time in the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, big cliche I know is you know process driven, but you know for the last four years, you know we've stuck with a with the process and haven't you know teetered or teetered or anything else with it mm-hmm. you know, we're just doing we're just doing kind of what we do and what we believe in and you know we've got a lot of people that have bought in from you know youth to the to the high school level yeah what what are um what are kind of the 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 ways that you're getting kids excited to get into the gymnasium what's what's kind of the key selling points to get those kids in the gym and working on their games well n- number one um, we've we've got a good good bunch of parents uh-huh. um you know, they don't always agree with the, the head coach. I get that. Yeah. Um, but, but all the way down to the youth level, um, you know, we're playing Solon basketball in, in the fall. We're playing it in the winter. Um, you know, what they do outside of that, you know, in the spring and summer is, is a little bit different at the youth level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that goes with everywhere. Um, you know, and we've stuck with it. Um, and, and we've started winning. Yeah. You know, the first, you know, the first year, three years ago, or three or four, three years ago, you know, we were three and, 19 then we won nine and then last year you know 17 games uh, regional finals um so i think you know winning builds some excitement yeah um you know and, and especially with girls um you know you, you build some trust and people kind of stick with it mm-hmm. um is is that plan and you and you refer to that plan and, and you and i kind of in the same position I, I hope we have the same progression that that you have that that everything keeps moving forward there uh but i know that I spent uh, quite a bit of time 
coming up with a plan and it's a plan that, you know, one year into it, I, I think we executed very well in year one, but year one doesn't mean diddly poo anymore because now we're on to year two. Um, is, is that something that you had kind of set up coming into this situation or did you kind of, you know, just kind of have a feel and you kind of adjusted as you went along or maybe a little bit of both? Uh, maybe a little bit of both, but, I, but we had a plan and, uh-huh. and again, it wasn't, you know, I talked to a lot of coaches. Um, you know, it wasn't like Solon had never been successful. Exactly. You know, they won three state titles, been to, you know, eight or nine state tournaments, you know, produced a WNBA player. So it wasn't like really the culture needed to be changed. Mm-hmm. There just had to be maybe some, I don't know what needed to be changed, but I knew what we were going to do. Uh-huh. And, and again, it's, it, some of that wasn't just me. Um, some of it was what I kind of wanted to do. Uh-huh. Um and then talking to a lot of other coaches, you know, Randy Sherman with Radius Athletics helped me a lot. You know, Coach Showalter helped me a lot. Dave Schlaubaugh helped me a lot. Um, so, you know, and we just we just stuck with it, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of here we are. So, so what were the key two, three, four tenets that that you came in with, and you just said, you know, non negotiable. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. And I know this is the way we need to do it because. I know this is the way we're going to become successful. Right. I would say, number one, um, we were going to shoot three-pointers. Mm-hmm. Um, we, were, we were going to play up-tempo. We were going to play fast. And we were going to play pressure man-to-man defense uh, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And that's something we haven't went away from. Mm-hmm. And we weren't going to give up threes. Mm-hmm. Those were our three main you know, main pillars if you will uh-huh. and uh we've stuck with it and you know so far it's you know it's 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 paid off uh-huh. um and there was a lot of pain <laughs> yeah there was, there was a lot of pain at the beginning you know getting beat by 40 and 50 and and, I, and i've learned as i've got older um and, and done this for a while and, and you know build a decent program uh, at my last stop um but it's easy to kind of not want to deal with that pain and kind of you know, take a different path or take, take a path one week, take a path the other, other week. Uh-huh. And that just, that just doesn't work if you're trying to build a program. Yeah. 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 You got to stay consistent. You, you know, here's the vision. Here's what we're going to do. I know this is the best way we're going to do it. Um, here's what I know how to teach and we just got to figure it out. Was that pretty much the attitude, Jamie? Yeah. And then you're not going to gain any trust from anybody if you're, you know, going 30 different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're just not. So, you know, part of that game in the trust is we're going to just stick with it and we're going to get beat and uh, no one's going to like getting beat. And some, you know, some people won't stick with the program and uh, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of pain involved and a lot of people can't handle that pain. So, yeah. Um, how did you, uh, especially that first year or, how did you uh, continue to sell the vision? Um, I mean, was it uh, little things that you did within the program, or was it just constant communication, and and or, or was it showing clips of the film and saying, "Hey, you know, here's what we worked on. Here's a here's two or three scenarios where we did this and this, and see how it's paying off." We wouldn't have been able to do that two weeks ago. What I mean, you know, how did you continue to build that trust, even though? At the end of the night, the scoreboard was not in your favor most of those evenings. 
we just, as a staff, we just kept showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was asked that not too long ago. Uh, we just kept showing up and, and again, it sounds like a cliche, but we didn't, we didn't veer off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some kids quit and we had to play a lot of young kids and, you know, and we, and we showed a lot of progress. You know, you get beat by 30 at the beginning of the year. It's the team. And you get beat by six to eight, you mm-hmm. know, the second, the second time around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I don't know if we had to sell, sell a lot of things, you know, or, you know, hang with us, hang with us. We'll be okay. I just think that that kind of came naturally uh, mm-hmm. to some of these kids. Um, and, and again, these are competitors. I mean, these are kids that are, you know, been in state tournament softball, been in state tournament, you know, or second place in track. So it wasn't like the culture needed to be changed. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had to kind of rally the troops a little bit and get them buying into some stuff. And I think consistency is, you know, is a big uh, is a big thing when it comes to, you know, selling something. Yeah. Did it, it sounds like with the success that they had had in other sports that it was, you know, easier to sell uh, the product that you wanted to to bring to the community as you as you built that up. That okay, I know I've got some competitive kids. I know ha- I, I know I have a community that wants to win, and you know they're ripe for it. I just I just need to kind of you know do my thing, and I think everything's got a good chance of working out. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. You know, we had administration behind us. Um, I remember getting beat our first game, and our athletic director goes, I hope you know what you're doing. You know, <laughs> after we got beat by 40. And, uh, you know, he's been behind me ever since. Uh-huh. Um, so that's that's a that's a big thing, too. And, um, you know, these I can't express how competitive our, our kids are in our program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no matter what they're, what they're doing, you know. And, again, we got some some good players a lot of these kids have these you know five seniors have stuck it out you know four of them played when they were freshmen so mm-hmm. they took some beatings yeah but they kept coming back for more they kept coming back for more and we talk about that daily yeah you know where we're at now we asked for this so mm-hmm. we asked for those regional final games with you know playing a team like davenport assumption with a lot of pressure and you know stuff like that and we're playing you know won the conference last year every conference game was important. So we talk about, you know, we asked for that. So, and kind of like where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. With that, with that competitiveness, Jamie, how much is that? And I'm always curious to kind of hear coaches opinions on this. How much of that is nature and how much of that is, is nurture? How much did you, uh, you know, when you walked in the gym that those first few months and maybe into that first year, um, how much of that did you have to nurture them in this sport that they hadn't had success in versus, okay, that, that fire in the belly is there. Now we need to teach them a little bit more about the technique and the tech technicalities of the game. Oh, I, I, you know, I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a lot of it comes, you know, for maybe who the kids hang around with, um, you know, maybe their upbringing, mm-hmm. um, we tried to make everything competitive in practice. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in the WOMAC, if, if you're not competitive, um, you really have no chance mm-hmm. um, to, to even start to build something. 
know, so I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think the more competitive stuff you guys, you know, a team does in practice, I think that, you know, not everybody is born competitive, in, in my opinion. Um, I think you can bring that up, out. Um, and I think so maybe sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Uh, I think the more you like something, the more competitive you're going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, my opinion. That's that's a good question, though. Uh so you're in kind of this this really good place. You know, you can feel the momentum turning, and uh, now you've kind of got this thing back to the point where, okay, there's some the, some pretty big expectations. How do you uh, now that you've kind of got it to where you've wanted it to be at? Um, how do you um, perhaps kind of continue the the sell job? And maybe tamper down the expectations and, hey, girls, you know, this isn't going to be handed to us. Just because we got this and this and this doesn't mean that all the, automatically we're going to be really good. We still got to go out here and earn this. You know, how do you how do you balance those two worlds now that you're kind of in that kind of place within your program? Right. I, well, I, I, I don't think you I don't think you lighten up and I don't think I've done it both ways. Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh, I don't you know, stick on a lot of things and went overboard on some things, um, that I've learned and, you know, shouldn't have done, um, Mm -hmm. looking back, you know, but I don't think you lighten up and I don't think you go overboard. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you just keep working on what you do, you know, and we're to the point now where we can throw in uh, something different here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the trust factor. Um, but, we got some kids that complain now. So our practices are very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if your practices are com- competitive, um, I think some of that other stuff gets blinded. And we have no problem with And without being arrogant, you know, we're, we're excited where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we know that what big games are. Um, and, you know, we're not going to, you know, kids aren't, kids are smart. Yeah. You know, they, they know the big games. They know the games that, you know, maybe you should win. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just try to keep an even keel on all of that. Mm-hmm. Easier, easier said than done at times, so. though. Well, yeah, and and the the information out there, uh, they know that when Davenport Assumptions coming on the schedule, uh, they know that one's just a little bit bigger than most of the yep. other ones, you know, yep. or or whatever it may be. And and now I, I I'm guessing part of the challenge is. Hey, let's not get snake bit by the next Solon that's trying to be like us, that where we were at two years ago. We've got to be wary of that. Is that part of the sell job as you've made this progression as well? Yeah, I, I would say that's that's part of it. Again, is you know focus on what we do mm-hmm. and you know keep doing what we've done um, and just you know try to get a little bit better each day. Again. Um, I know, you know, a lot of people talk about that. Um, I'm not sure how many do. Mm-hmm. So we try as a staff to really do that every day. Yeah. What are some things that you do to make your kids or try to put out some tangible ways to show the kids that they are getting better every day? Um, I don't know if there's anything specific. You know, we chart a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, we do a lot of small-sided games, um, you know, chart the winners, losers. Um. You know, I, I just think kids can tell if, if they're getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know what 
I, I've never understood, you know, how you, how you rate some of that stuff. Um, again, we're not all about winning. We're about the process part, but I think winning says a lot about improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, again, that's a little bit harder to, well, I guess that would be the easy way. Yeah. Right. That's the easy I way to quantify it. Yeah. 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 I just, you know, nothing wrong with telling the kids they're getting better either. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with not telling the kids they're getting better if they're not getting better. Um, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, keep telling them what they do, you know, need to do to keep getting better. But, you know, I think that competitive stuff in practice will, will kind of sort itself out. Yeah. Last question, coach. Maybe yep. the most important question I have for you. Yep. Is the Johnson County area still standing after Saturday's game at Kinnick Stadium? <laughs> like, is, 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 has the area returned the normal yet or, or uh, is is there uh, just just irreparable damage in certain places because of people jumping up and down? They're so excited and so forth and so on. I, I think part of it's Kinnick still standing, um, <laughs> from what I'm told. You know, as a as a cyclone fan, it's a little little tough area to to live in right now. But my cyclone stakes were still in my yard. Actually, I don't think they care anymore um, <laughs> about the cyclones, but. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a great place to be right now if you're a, you know, college sports fan. Um, you know, even if you're not a, a big Hawk fan, which I'm one of maybe two in Johnson County. Um, <laughs> but I do respect what they've, what they've done. But, uh, man, there's a lot of excitement here right now. Um, you know, Coach Ferentz has done a great job. And, you know, I, I look at what he does um, every year. Um, you know, I think about, you know, the process and everything else. You know, we, we try to get to the point where, you know, we're never gonna, we're never not gonna compete. We're never not gonna not be mm-hmm. competitive or good again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of where we're getting. We always want to be in the conversation, and I, and I think that's where Iowa football is, uh, and Iowa women's basketball, uh, for that matter, is at right now. But uh, yeah, it's wild over here right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you know, it's it's a high point in athletics in the state. I think just all the way across the board with. With football by both schools, uh, you know the Iowa State men's basketball is going to bounce back. Sure. Um, just, just too much tradition, too many good players. Coach Finley does an awesome job at Iowa State, and and the Iowa women have been very good the last few years. You know, so so I mean, in in the three big sports, uh, both universities, all in all, are in a fairly in a in a really good place. Other than men's basketball at Iowa State, and that's going to bounce back, and that's. That's really rare in a in a state that only has about three and a half million people ish um, to to have that many quality programs at at that level in so many different sports. Yeah, and then you can you know you can throw in you know um, Coach Warren at U and I, Coach Allison, you know Drake Women, yep. you know both both those programs, you know are you know top of their conference. Uh, Darren DeVries you know, won a NCAA tournament game last year. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, Drake, I mean, men's, I mean, just, you know, Iowa field hockey is number one in the country, I believe. You know, Iowa soccer is good. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot going on here, and I think that's why it's such a such a special state. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Jamie, thanks so much for your time, and I appreciate it. Great thoughts on program building and, and those type of things. Thanks so much for coming on the Quick Hitter Pod. Yep, I appreciate it, Coach. Thanks so much. You bet. 
A pen and a napkin university is offering you, our listeners, a great opportunity to learn more about coaching above and beyond the a pen and a napkin universe. In our video series detailing personal growth and development, you can purchase videos on topics like interviewing for a job, basketball analytics, and fundraising in social media. Go to a pen and and follow the links to order. Or you can DM me at a pen and a napkin, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Videos are $10 a piece, or you can get the entire bundle of seven videos for $50. That's less than $8 a video. We also have our defensive series available from our Pen and Napkin University video series. Those two are $10 a piece, or you can get the three-video bundle for $25. Be sure to check out the Pen and Napkin University video library. Our next coach here on Quick Hitters Volume 7 is Nebraska men's basketball assistant coach Doc Sadler. Uh, was it, is it year 40 this year, coach? Did I see on social media? Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's been, uh, it's been a great run and I look forward to this year. All right. And, and boy, you guys, um, I, I think you guys are poised to really take a leap this year. Uh, just from what I saw this summer and, and we were down at the, uh, um, the hoops hysteria night or whatever it was. Uh, you know, it, it, I think you guys are just, I, I think it's, I think you guys are going to take a big leap this year. I think people are even undervaluing, out undervaluing, valuing you. I can't talk all of a sudden, uh, with what you have. That's my opinion, but. Well, I appreciate that. And as you well know, being a coach, one thing about it, uh, uh, time will tell, uh, you know, uh, during the off season, uh, a lot of things can be talked about and said, but at the end of the day. Uh, that's the good thing about sports. You get a chance to go out there and compete and, uh, against other teams and uh, see where you stand. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about your uh, one of your areas that you're really good at, and I know Coach Hoiberg entrusts a lot of this with you, is your guys' half-court defense and the principles that you guys uh, teach and, and what you're teaching your kids. Um, so, Coach, I'm just going to kind of – Shut up and listen here for a little bit and, and, and let you go and kind of talk about your guys' philosophy in the half court, uh, what you teach, how you teach it, the reason why, uh, the philosophy behind it. And if I think of a question that I want to throw in here, I'll, I'll just try to jump in and, and uh, you know, just ask away for our listeners. So I'm going to let you cook, Coach. Well, uh, you know, again, uh, Marty, I think that's one of the fun things about uh, – any sports, whether it be baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever it may be, the good thing is, is there's a lot of ways to do it. And, uh, you know, I think probably most of us, uh, you know, when we get into coaching, uh, we have certain people that, uh, you know, we try to take a lot from. And, you know, my background, uh, I've been very fortunate to, to have worked for a lot of a lot of great coaches and uh, great players and uh, you know but probably the thing that uh, or the person that I take most of my basketball from is a guy that you know used to coach up in Omaha Creighton named Eddie Sutton I worked mm-hmm. for him you know when I was at Oklahoma, uh, at Arkansas mm-hmm. but you know uh, so therefore he was primarily a man-to-man coach. So that's kind of, uh, that's what uh, I know, that's what I've learned, and that's what I try to coach. But, um, you know, that's not to say that 
uh, zone defense isn't just as good. Uh, I just wasn't around people that taught me the zone as much as they uh, they taught me the man. So that's what we talk about. And, you know, there's going to be certain principles in anything that you do, uh, man or zone. But with the man-to-man, uh, I think it all starts with being able to guard the basketball. I don't mm-hmm. care uh, what uh, what you try to do. Some people may force it to the outside to the baseline some people may force it to the elbows uh some people may play soft some people may be play aggressive mm-hmm. but no matter what defense you play the bottom line is your defense is only going to be as good as uh as that person that's guarding the basketball mm-hmm. and if if he's in a situation or she's in a situation that you know is in continuous need of help and uh, defense getting into rotation, then your your half court defense is, isn't going to be very good. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, uh, it all starts uh, with your shot, and then your transition defense. Mm-hmm. And so, what we try to do in transition is, uh, you know, uh, we'll chart uh, we'll chart the number of maybe offensive rebounds that you may get uh, in practice, maybe exhibition game or scrimmage, whatever it may be that you have. And if you're not a guy that can get an average one and a half uh, offensive rebounds a game, then then I feel like you know that we've given you that chance to be an offensive rebounder. So at this time now uh, that you didn't, we're going we're going to call what we call get back guy. And anyone that doesn't get the, that that rebound uh, is going to be be that. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, uh, depending on how many people, uh, I, I I don't care uh, because I think transition defense is the most important thing. So some people may get one guy back, designate a guy. Some guys may get two, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I base it on how many offensive rebounds a player gets. And if you don't get that one-and-a-half offensive rebound a game, then you're going to get back in transition defense. There's been games that – there's been teams that, you know, that we've gotten maybe two guys back. But we've also, at times, got as many as four guys back. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, whatever that person is that you designate uh, – uh, as a either get back or go get guy is uh, is going to be uh, a consistent person uh, that's going to do the same thing each and every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a get back guy, then no matter no matter how many people in the in the ga- uh, game, then you're going to get back. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, so many times I think players use uh, may have excuses or whatever may you know say well coach I didn't know I was confused if I was a get back guy or go get guy well no we're going to eliminate all that confusion because you're going to be the same thing from the start of the season to the end of the season yep, yep. Uh, so you know that's something that's worked for me mm-hmm. uh, but transition defense first we're always going to protect the basket the second guy's going to get to uh, slow down. Try to slow down the the uh, 
the, the dribble, depending on where you like it. Some people try to slow it down starting at midcourt. Some people start at uh, the three-point line. We try to start a little bit beyond the NBA three-point line. Okay. And then the third guy is going to run to the paint first, but then find the ball, and uh, he's going to take the first perimeter guy running the, the alley that he's in. Uh, then the next, the, the fourth guy is going to go opposite ball block, and then the fifth and final guy is going to basically go down to the weak side elbow. But that's going to be our base. Uh, that's going to be our base transition defense. And, you know, I'm a person that doesn't believe that three-point shots and transition can beat you. Mm-hmm. That Coach Holbrook's just the opposite. He's going to, <laughs> you know, he believes that the three-point shot is definitely the shot that you've got to defend no matter what. And so uh, we'll get a little spread out because, again, that's what he likes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm one that uh, wants to protect that paint and that basket uh, first and foremost. Uh, after we get our half court defense back, we get the ball stopped. Uh, you know, we want to play basically inside out defense. And what I mean by that, uh, again, uh, you know, today's game has so much analytics involved, but what I mean by inside out is protect the basket, the lane, and then go out to the three point line. Uh, once again, uh, a few years ago, I did a, a study that if uh, if you can if you can keep a team from from sco- scoring thirty seven percent of the time if they get it into the lane, whether that be an offensive rebound, a drive, a pass, whatever it may be, loose ball. If you can if you can uh, keep them from scoring thirty seven thirty eight percent of the time, they do that, then you've got a really good chance to win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, so that's kind of the way we, that's kind of the way we build our defense. Now, like I say, first we're going to get it back and hopefully we uh, can stay out of rotation by guarding the basketball one-on-one. And then when I, what I'm a little different, uh, than for coach Sutton and some of the guys that I work for. Uh, and again, I think it's because maybe I felt like I didn't have quite the talent. Maybe that some people did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were going to force it more to the middle than the outside. Now, you know, people get confused when you say force it to the middle. Now, we don't want to get beat to the middle. Mm-hmm. We want, again, to be guarded. Uh, we want to guard the ball head up. Uh, but if we are going to get beat, uh, I would rather get beat towards the elbow than I had to the outside baseline. Now, the reason for that is I think the game has changed because for a long time I was the force of the baseline guy also. But now, uh, whatever you call the pass, the baseline pass, maybe from one side of the court. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the, the hammer the play or whatever they yeah, call it. Yeah. yeah, we call it a hammer pass. Yep. Uh, the hammer pass wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't into play uh, until maybe the last ten years of basketball. Maybe mm-hmm. not even that long. The, the, well, the first team I remember really doing that a lot was actually Dana's teams at Creighton, where it seemed like like why do they keep making that play? So yeah, you're right. It's a very recent development in the game. 
Yeah, so that pass is being made, uh, and now, you know, the weak side wing or whatever we call the slot, uh, that, uh, that, that, that plays being made and the postman are staying away from the basket a lot and playing to the front of the rim. Well, again, I think your defense can only be as good as you staying out of rotations. And so, uh, my deal, is that if we can, you know, protect those elbows and protect ball side block, and then we've got good one on one defense on the ball, and you got a good triangle there, uh, you're going to make teams beat you from the outside. And once again, uh, you know, the mid range shot, which once again, Coach uh, Coach Horberg doesn't believe in because of analytics. Uh, that's the shot that we want to get, make the other team get. And that's mm-hmm. the shot we want to make the other team take. Mm-hmm. So force it to the elbow is, is a defense that does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing that has become into play besides the hammer pass is all the ball screens that are being ran nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, back in the day, I can remember that that was one of the things that would get you you know, coached really hard by Coach Sutton if you went and set a ball screen or something like that. I mean, that was just, that was a no-no. You a never taboo. Went to, yeah, yeah. You never went to the ball and set a ball screen. But, you know, that's that's into play today. So I'm trying to build a defense that's going to take away the things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the outside drive. um uh, Again, uh, to get to the hammer, uh, we want to take that away. We want to take the slot uh, drive, and then we want to take, you know, to defend the ball screen as best we can. And all those things are designed to keep the ball from getting into the lane. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, now, saying that, if you're a coach that really – uh, likes aggressiveness and things like that. It's probably not a defense that you would like to run. But if you're a team that maybe doesn't have a shot blocker uh, and doesn't, uh, maybe the talent might be a little bit uh, less than your opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically what you want to say. It's a zone that you're playing as a man. Mm-hmm. And so it's been good to me. Uh, now we're to the point now with all the ball screens and things, as we mentioned, that now we're going to, uh, you know, anything dependent on your players, we're going to try to switch one through four. And once again, that was something that people just, hey, it was a no-no to do. But as you see nowadays, there's a lot of switching that goes on in, in basketball. Yep. So – those things being said, uh, that's our basic defense. Now, obviously, because it is a little bit different, you know, uh, Coach Bennett, Dick Bennett, the old coach at Wisconsin. and Tony Bennett's know, I, dad. Yeah, I think he called it a pack line or something. And it's, it's a lot like the pack line, uh, but it's probably a little bit more aggressive because of ball screens now. But at the same time, it's the same principle. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just not going to let the basketball get into the paint and have three different outlets. Mm-hmm. So two things on, on that, Coach. Uh, we'll start with this. Uh, how are you guys, or what's one or two uh, quick drills that you can describe that you guys do uh, to help with those closeouts? Because I agree with you. Number one thing that you got to worry about on the defensive end, whether it's man or zone, is closing out on the ball and containing that ball and keeping it one-on-one. Uh, so so what's maybe one of your guys' favorite drills that you guys run to really work on the, the closeout and keeping the ball in front and, and winning that one-on-one on the defensive end? Yeah, well, I think one of the things you got to tell your players, first of all, uh, the only thing that can really hurt your defense uh, defensively is an, is an open three-point shot. And so we don't want them to take an open three-point shot. So we tell our players, you don't worry about getting beat off the dribble on a closeout uh, if you take away the shot. Okay. Uh, now, it's a difference if you're just guarding the basketball. That's where you got to guard it. Mm-hmm. But in a situation where you're going from help uh, and the drive, um, and then it's a kick, uh we want you to close out as hard as you can to two feet beyond the three-point line, get both feet outside it. And if you get beat off the dribble with that because you took away a jump shot, then I have no problem with that mm-hmm. because uh, the the thing that I don't want to have happen is uh, you not be aggressive in, in, in 20 feet. Mm-hmm. And if you, you're worried about that dribble, then – uh, then uh, you're not you're going to stop short. You're not going to close out. You know, back when there wasn't a three point shot, a lot of people did the uh, Jerry Tarkanian chop your feet and all that stuff. Well, nowadays I tell them to run by. Them. I, I I'm not interested in you. You know, back in the day, uh, you chopped your feet and you wanted to keep the ball in front of you because it wasn't a three-point shot. Mm-hmm. Well, now nowadays you chop your feet and stop short, you're going to make the shot. Mm-hmm. So we want to run them out of a three-point shot, and then just as you had to help one of your teammates, then somebody better be ready to help you also. Yeah. So, so in those situations, you're not as much as, – as long as they move them off the line – now you're more worried and and more upset or getting at, not get after, but you're coaching the kid to get into the rotation and help because that kid did their job by moving that kid off the line and making them uh, put it on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean if 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 you're going to ask a kid to go from the nail or the middle of the free throw line and take a, a weak side three away, well, the only way he can do that is bust his tail and go as full speed as he can. Mm-hmm. If if he goes with the idea that he's worried that he's going to get beat off the dribble, then 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 you're going to get an open shot. So we, uh, as we say many a times, the only thing we can't guard is open shots. So make sure they don't get them. Absolutely. Um, one last thing, you talked about ball screens and the and the prominence of of ball screens. How do you guys teach your ball screen defense? And maybe what's what's a, a piece of advice that you have for coaches who might be struggling with their ball screen defense and, and how to, to teach that well? Well, there again, I think you got to make the first decision of how how aggressive uh, how aggressive how aggressive you want to play. 
Mm-hmm. And if you want to get out in the ball screen and be really aggressive, uh, then you, you know you you got to get into. I call it skin to skin. You got to get your skin into the ball, and you got to get into the hip, and you got to chase that screen uh, on top. And then the next part of it is now you've got to make a decision on how aggressive you want the uh, how aggressive you want it to be uh, with the with the post screener. Mm-hmm. If you want to be really really aggressive, then, then you know almost like a trap. Then trap it. If you want to hedge it, you hedge it. Um, but the biggest thing is going back to rule number one is we don't want the ball into the paint. Mm-hmm. So so uh, you tell your post. Your post defender that you know don't leave the ball until the point guard picks the ball up or passes it, and then the next part of the the deal is that you've got to decide if you're gonna, you know, how you're gonna guard the post guy that uh, that set the screen because more than likely he's gonna do one or two things. He's either gonna roll the basket or he's gonna pop, and uh, you know that's where rolling to the basket or are you going to take the ball, uh, the ball side guy and chunk him and then get back or are you going to we, we, we help out of the uh, the strong corner what I mean by that is the side that's got two people mm-hmm. uh, because we don't want to give away give up the shot that we call a shake shot from the from the corner that he, he 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 leaves the baseline and comes up the floor and they throw back to him. We want to take that shot away. So obviously the the that's a tough play to make and it mm-hmm. takes a lot of work because if you're going to ask the weak side corner to take the roll guy, then the guy that's on the in the slot has to drop and take the first pass out. But uh, that's something that takes a lot a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're guarding a point guard that is really, really, really good and he's the guy that makes the things work, I think it's always good to try to get it out of his hands. If you're playing a point guard, a playmaker that you know is not going to shoot it, just step back with your post guy, go under the screen, and keep everything in front of you. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is – how we guard the ball screens, Marty, is 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 basically one hundred percent determined by the opponents and their strengths offensively. Yep. And uh, we will a good a good a good uh, a good offensive point guard is really really hard to guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know we'll try to take away what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, just last question, coach on the on the ball screen, and you know if you're the average high school coach, you're probably on that ball screen defense. You know if you're again just an average high school team, you're probably only really working on two, maybe three coverages tops. And and I'm guessing you're the type of guy. Let's do two things on the ball screen coverage really really well instead of trying to do six or seven things really complicated uh, just so that we're really good at what we do. Well, I, again, as I told you before, I got a chance to work 
with or be around a lot of great coaches. And one of the advice that I was given by Coach Haskins, who coached at uh, UTEP, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you need to decide the four or five things you want to be good at, and that's what you need to practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you try to be good at a bunch of things, then you're not probably going to be good at, at any of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, whatever that particular team that you coach uh, needs to be good at, then that's what you work on. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there's so many ways to win the ball game. But if I'm a high school coach, I would think that the one thing that I would not mind is uh, – a, 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 a player coming off a ball screen uh, to start start each possession if he wants to step back here and shoot a three-point shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not playing much defense. That's good. And you're going to be on offense a lot. So, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and then obviously the, if, if there's always maybe a great player that you might have to make an adjustment for. But yep. I don't know that there's many teams that's going to beat you by not – not shooting a ball screen is set up to get other things going. Mm-hmm. Very few ball screens uh, are set up to, to shoot the first, uh, without, without ever making a pass, mm-hmm. uh, shooting true. off of a ball screen. So, uh, you know, that's the way I would, I would look at it. Yeah. That's a great point, coach. That's a great point. Great one to end on. Uh, make sure smoke's doing his job. Smoke's the best. He, uh, he does a great job. He's there early and stays late, and uh, everybody loves that guy. Yeah. So uh, we appreciate him being in our program. And the thing about uh, as a manager is that um, they are so, so valuable, and he does a super job. So glad to have you. Well, he's been laid up the last couple of days here. He I was, know it. You know, he uh, – threw his back out a little bit we you know we got a call he's like i can't even move and it's like well, well he's doing too much <laughs> i know well hey if he's doing too much that means he's working his tail off for you and that's, that's exactly right. what he's supposed to be doing because that's other than other than the the grades uh that's the most important thing he can be doing now so uh you make sure he keeps working hard and and keeps doing those things coach and and, and thanks so much you've done for our son we uh, carl and i really appreciate it so thank you coach all right doc sadler uh men's assistant basketball but assistant coach at the university of nebraska thanks again for coming on tonight coach Thank you, Coach. Appreciate you. Yep. Our next guest on Quick Hitters, Volume 7, with Todd, I think you you set a record here. Uh, (laughs) You have the quickest turnaround in between appearances in a pen and a napkin history. So you you have made history, sir. There we go. There we go. I need to be first place in something, right? <laughs> well, you have earned first place there, yes. Uh, Todd Eisner, the, the head men's basketball coach uh, at Winona State University. And we had uh, we were going to talk about two or three other things on his podcast a week or two ago. And then we, we two shell drill nerds, dived in so hard on shell drill and what we were talking about that we didn't get to that stuff. So after we got done taping, here's kind of the story. After we got done taping, uh, we were kind of talking about this, and and Coach was uh, so gracious. He said, well, you know, I come back on and talk about one or two of these things any anytime you want. Absolutely. And I said, well, yeah. And I said, well, you know, Coach, we just happened to be filming one of these quick hitters here next week. What do you think about coming on? And, and, and so... 
Coach Eisner has graciously uh, decided to bring us within his presence, uh, at least uh, the voice of Todd Eisner, in a, in a very quick turnaround. So thanks so much, Coach. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's dive in here. Um, we just had Doc Sadler on talking about half-court defense and shell drill and things like that. And you were just talking, about, you know, like so we probably spent 40, 45 minutes talking about right. half-court defense with, with your parents. So let's talk about how to beat these uh, half-court offense or half-court defenses with some really good half-court offensive stuff. So uh, what do you guys, uh, what have you done? What do you do now uh, to to get some good looks? And, and what do you emphasize in the half-court? Well, I think, you know, a little bit, Marty, is we've, you know, we've obviously always grown and tried to change as kind of the game of basketball has changed a little bit. And so, you know, the evolution of our offensive philosophy is moved from when I was at Viterbo, which was a lot of just kind of pure four-out motion, to, to Bellevue, which we did some Kansas high-low, to um, Midland. We did a lot of what Coach Majerus did at St. Louis, which was what they called 20 series. And, and now we've done a lot of uh, kind of Mike White at Florida's ball screen you know, motion offense. And so, uh, you know, since I've been the last four or five years at Winona State, we've really, really concentrated on, 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 you know, utilizing the ball screen and trying to take advantage of spreading the floor. And, and one of the things that we've done with that, Marty, is we've been very lucky, I guess, and now I've started to recruit to it, is that we have really used our five-man to spread the floor in terms of the ability to shoot the ball from the mm-hmm. three. So mm-hmm. we've been the year before the pandemic. You know, we set an NSIC record for – most threes made and attempted in a season, mm-hmm. um, in that 22 game season. And so, um, we want all five guys to be able to really launch it. And, uh, you know, when you can get a six, eight or six, nine guy that can spread the floor that way, we think that's, that's really difficult to guard. And so, um, our four man, uh, set an NSIC record for most threes made an attempt and as an individual, and then our team set, uh, the, the, you know, the season record also in that same year. And so there's our four and our five being really, really good threats from 21 feet. And we think that makes us really difficult to guard at times. Yeah. So you've really leaned into kind of the uh, different versions of the ball screen, of the continuity ball screen type of offense and, and that type of movement there, it sounds like to me anyway. No doubt about it. And and so our, our five is a very active ball screener, but we also use our, our four in a lot of pick and pop situations. And so, you know, we, we really, you know, want to get the ball downhill. We want to get, uh, you know, the defense to collapse in so that we can kick uh, we really haven't. We will this year uh, because of the personnel that we have, but we haven't really even taken our four or our five and posted them much. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the paint and, and the spreading of five people around the arc, um, you know, slipping screens would be a way to attack. Uh, getting downhill off of a ball screens would be a way to attack. Um, but really we're trying to get into the paint to, to suck the defense in and then look for, um, you know, options. Mm-hmm. in the corners on the wings wherever wherever we can go a lot of flip backs as we call it. we get our point guard downhill our five man will pick and pop right behind them and, mm-hmm. and jump stop and flip it back to them and, and and just really take advantage of that just like i said we just feel it's really hard for fours and fives from their comfort standpoint to defend uh, around the arc and so we try to take advantage of that yeah so uh what are you what are your key Teaching points because just like anything else, this is going to continue to seep down into the high school game, and and so what are your teaching points? What are your major teaching points when it comes to teaching 
ball screens. Let's let's start with the screener. What are you yeah. what are you what are you talking to your screeners about? Uh, uh, just the the technique. Uh, how are you working on it? And and let's let's go with the screeners first. Yep. So screener, obviously, we sprint to it, sprint out of it, and uh, you know, again, we're going to have a young man this year, and actually, all three of our our bigs will have the ability to. Um, to put pressure on the rim off the roll, but a lot of times we'll pick and pop off of it. But even with the pick and pop, we want that sprint to and sprint out um, to, to create some spacing. So, you know, we don't want uh, the help defense to be able to guard two people at one time. And so um, the, the ability to separate uh, when you're leaving, let's just say you're down near the block or in the dunker area and you're going to sprint up and set a middle ball screen. We want to do as, as best job as we can to start to get some separation um, from the screener's man, um, then, you know, popping our feet is really, really important just to try to minimize, you know, sloppy turnovers with offensive fouls where, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the screener's not doing a great job of, uh, setting a solid screen. And then, uh, you know, we, then we flip it around and then we're going to really concentrate on making sure that we're not uh, leaving early. So, you know, mm-hmm. from a teaching standpoint of screener and, and, and accepting the screen, um, we got to wait until that screener does pop his feet before we're going to accept that screen or re- or refuse the screen, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's a great way to, to counter some defensive pressure too. But um, so really screen, screen or sprint to it, pop your feet, sprint out of it and, and separate um, so that we can put uh, pressure on the defense to make a decision, whether mm-hmm. it's the help having to make a decision, whether it's the five man, you know, are, are people icing, are people hard hedging, um, are they switching by chance? Um, those are all things that we're certainly going to make our guys aware of as to how to, you know, best handle our situation in terms of uh, uh, putting pressure on, on the defense to make some decisions uh, for us to get a best, our best look. Yeah. So what are you teaching the, the ball handler? You kind of mentioned to it a little bit, you know, make sure the screen yeah. is set and that type of thing. Uh, what are you guys instructing your ball handlers along with that? Yeah, obviously we're going to want to get, you know, rip, you know, put ourselves in a position where we're using our pivot foot. Um, to really kind of set up how we're going to want to use that screen. Um, and if I can back up, the one thing I did forget is uh, from a pulse standpoint, Marty, is uh, we really try to teach angles of screens too from a five-man standpoint. You know, we don't want to ever set a wing ball screen and have an angle where we're running, you know, the offensive man towards half court. We want to get him, you know, at very at the very worst going, you know, east-west, but we really want to get them north-south as best as we can. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then from a perimeter standpoint, you know, we want them to be strong with the basketball prior to that screen coming. Um, use your pivot foot. Use your rip-throughs. Uh, we Again, we it would have been three years ago we led uh, Division Two in the least amount of turnovers per game in, with 8.9 per game. So we want wow. all of our perimeter players to be really good um, in taking care of the basketball. Um, and then once that post pops his feet, now we're going to attack. We're going shoulder to shoulder. Um, you know, again, it's are they uh, hard hedging? Are they icing? Are they switching? And we really, uh, my assistant, Coach Melvick, uh, who played here uh, during the glory days of Winona State, does a great job with our offensive system of really getting our guys in skill breaks downs and uh, in practice of just getting our guys really, really comfortable on, you know, working against you know, what we think is going to be pretty much any type of ball screen coverage um, so that we're really comfortable with uh, our ability to attack uh, what teams are going to try to show us defensively. Uh, speaking of coverages, what's kind of the most common 
uh, coverages that you guys see at your level? I'm guessing you probably see a lot of ice on the wing. Um, or, you know, I, I mean, you tell me. I'm not watching your yep. game film. So. <laughs> right, right. No, I mean, ice is becoming more and more popular. Uh, you know, we, we went to it, uh, here about, uh, four or five seasons ago. I'd always been a, a hard hedge guy. And, and, uh, I think, as I mentioned, uh, a little bit last week, you know, my defensive philosophy has evolved a little bit here as I've gone to, gotten to Winona State. But, uh, we do ice everything, uh, on the wings. And then what we do in the middle is we just call it, we call it black and we put it still at this level, Marty. We still feel like they're, there is a little bit of deficiency going into somebody's weak hand, and so if there's any middle ball screens for us, we just put it in their left hand, mm-hmm. and we call that black. Okay. And uh, that way, you know, we know that they're being forced in one specific direction, and that's the way we're going to protect it and guard it. But from our standpoint, we'll see mostly ice or hard hedge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's not a lot of teams that are, you know, probably gutsy enough to switch all five, even when they have a bad matchup, yeah. let's say two on, you know, five guarding a two. Uh, we don't see that a ton. Every once in a while we will. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we obviously have all our slip series in if we're going to see teams that want to try to switch. Um, but then, you know, the two things we'll probably work on the most would be the ice and the hard hedge. Mm-hmm. What's uh, one or two drills that you guys run uh, that you're able to best describe over the phone here to the best of your ability uh, th- that you guys run to help your kids really understand and execute that two man game and, and making the reads, you know, and then escalating from two on two to three on three. And now you're coming off and making the reads off the weak side help and that type of stuff. What's, what's one or two drills that you guys run to, to help out with that? Yeah, I think you just really named it in a lot of ways. I mean, we'll do a lot of two on two and a lot of three on three and, and we'll really, really, you know, create it and cater it to the way we play. And, and so, you know, a lot of our, stuff is going to be five out based. And so we'll put our guys in the, in the spots that they will initially start out most of our sets, especially if we're, you know, walking it up the floor and, and get them really comfortable playing in those, uh, scenarios that, you know, they will see the most often. So a lot of two on two, a lot of three on three, um, we're already doing it now. And, and one of the great things about, you know, I guess we feel like we do a pretty good job. I'm not sure our stats show this, but we do a pretty good job of prepping our guys as how we want to defend. And then, you know, everything we do, we try to keep it as a mindset of, okay, this is a defensive drill, but this is a great opportunity for us to work on the things we're going to do offensively. Mm-hmm. And where we would change that was if we're going to ice all our wing ball screens, you know, if we know we're going to run into X team and they're going to hard hedge it, then that same drill is just going to turn into where we're going to make all of our bigs hard hedge every screen. Mm -hmm. And now we're still going to end up doing the same drill. Mm -hmm. And so it may be, we may turn, you know, almost a shell type defensive drill into an offensive component of what we're trying to work on to get ready for a particular team with the way they guard us. Mm -hmm. Um, But but a lot, we play a lot of two on two, a lot of three on three, uh, even a lot of four on four, um, based on how we expect to play in certain coverages that we're going to see for an opponent. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, anything else that you got, Todd, on on your half court philosophy? What you guys try to do? Do you do you try to run that um, when you? Well, last question. Uh, what when, when you're running that ball screen action? I'm I'm guessing what or I let me. This is a crappy question. I should probably edit I'm this sorry. out. So, uh, <laughs> when you're running that ball screen action, <clears throat> um, 
what type of movements are you teaching your kids that are not involved in that two-man game? You obviously have three other kids out there. Absolutely. So, so what are you emphasizing to those kids? Are you emphasizing flare screens? Are you emphasizing crackbacks, uh, back cuts? You know, uh, what, are you, what are you teaching, yep. per se, or is it just, hey, read the defense and, and, and make a basketball play? No, I think obviously if we're, you know, we call it the three side or the two side, and it all depends a little bit on which direction the ball is going to go and which direction the post is going to pop if he is going to pop. So as an example, you know, again, last couple of years, our fives, I mean, when I say 90% of the time, I'm probably, it might be a little low mm-hmm. in that when they came and set out a middle ball screen or a wing ball screen, and we were going to elbow up or we were going to pick and pop to a position where now all of a sudden, if he picks and pops in a certain direction, you know, and the teams are going to stunt that defensively, mm-hmm. we want to dive the stunt. Okay. So I think a lot of teams are calling that the 45 cut now. Um, you know, so we'll, we really, really work on, okay, he is widening out or picking and popping or elbowing up to the two side. Well, we don't want two more guys over there. So we're going to take the top guy and we're going to dive him to the front of the rim. Mm-hmm. And so now if you're going to stunt at our big picking and popping, your man just flashed to the front of the rim. And are you, you know, do you have another guy covering the paint? And so we'll get, you know, we might get one layup a game off of them stunting our big picking and popping, but we'll dive that guy's man to the front of the rim with, like I said, a lot of people are calling that a 45 cut and put ourselves in a position where we're putting a lot of pressure on the basket. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing we will definitely do. If it's on the single side, or let's say that 45 cut goes to the front of the rim, We'll take the corner man, lift him, free throw line extended, swing it to him, and chase it with another ball screen. Gotcha. So a big part of what we're trying to do is we certainly want to take the first really good shot. And if that's off one ball screen, great. But if not, it's like any other offense. If we can get the ball moving from side to side and make teams play from you know ball side to help side to ball side to help side, mm-hmm. we feel we got a better chance of breaking people down. Mm-hmm. And so we'll really talk to our fours and fives about getting multiple ball screens in a possession mm-hmm. and make the defense really have to talk on ball and off the ball to see if we can get something easy. Yeah, we we kind of it's the basic same basic train of thought. We we use the old Don Meyer seventy three possessions. Uh, seven yep. passes, three reversals. If you do that, yep. you're probably yep. going to get a pretty good look, and especially if you can get two on the ball at some point and no put the it. defense in the mixer, uh, then then you're going to be in a you're going to be in a really really good place. So no doubt about it, no yeah. doubt about it. So that's really what we're doing to try to impact the defense uh, to to have to do multiple things in a possession. So we're never going to stand on the weak side. It's either an exchange. It's either you know, if they stunt something, we're going to dive the stunt and, and really try to keep the weak side occupied as much as we can so that what we're trying to get done has a chance. And if they're going to try to cover it and help on it, then we're going to put pressure on the basket on the weak side. Great stuff, Coach Eisner. Great stuff. I, I can't believe you came up with that much material in, in 10 days' time after that. You know, that was absolutely amazing. Well, Marty, I've got a, a gift of gab. I don't know if it makes any sense, but I love to talk ball, and I can talk ball. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I uh, I, I was uh, uh, very uh, excited to go on a, another podcaster's pod um, earlier this week, and, you know, he, he said, uh, yeah, we usually go for 45, 50, 55 minutes. I'm like, well... 
I'm Italian. I talk a lot. You know, I, I hope, you know, whatever. And we got going. Uh, he published it. Yeah, it was like an hour and 32 minutes. So I'm like, oh, God. You know, geez, just shut up, Marty. But, yeah, it is what it is. So right, when's uh, practice got to be starting here in a couple of days? Friday morning. We've got a crazy class schedule. So we'll be a 6 a.m. group most of the first semester. So 6 a.m. Friday morning, we go. Well, hey, that, that means that means your nights are probably going to be pretty safe, or they should be anyway. So. Yeah, real safe. I'm getting <laughs> up at, I'll be getting up at 4.15 every morning. Ooh, so, ooh, yeah. ooh. Ouch. Yeah, that, that makes yeah. me cringe just thinking about that. But yeah, uh, I get pretty tired by about nine o'clock most days. So well, that's all right. Yeah. Get some get some coffee or, or, or some energy drink or get a good workout in and just have to find a way to get through the day. And if you tell your boss, hey, I got to go home and take a nap. You can just say, I've been up since 415. I've been at work since five o'clock. He shouldn't have anything to say about that. So That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Todd Eisner, no thanks so much for coming back on again on such a quick turnaround. Greatly appreciated. And, hey, good luck on Friday with your first practice. Marty, I appreciate it greatly. Thank you. Yep. Our fourth and final guest of this week's Quick Hitter Pod is a man that I grew up with, the second member, the second guest ever, of the Sheldon, Iowa class of 1992, ever to be on a pen and a napkin podcast, is Mr. Jay Huff of Burlington, Iowa, the athletic director, or the activities director at Burlington High School. Mr. Huff, no time, no talk. How you been? It's, it's, I've been good. Life's, life's been good to me. Good. Can't complain. Yeah. What, uh, what kind of, now you coached wrestling for quite a while. How long did you coach wrestling for? Um, I coached wrestling from 90, uh, from 96. I did one year at, at the college and then, uh, I, I got out in 2018. So, um, about 20, 20, 22 years I was doing it. So yep. did, did it quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, 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 uh, kind of drove you into administration? What was kind of the appeal to that? Um, I'll be honest. Um, I was sitting at wrestling practice one day and I, I, I can't remember if it was my son or my daughter had something going on. And it was the first time ever in my coaching career that I thought this is not where I want to be right now. Uh-huh. And so, and I thought if that's how I feel, I probably shouldn't, I, I, I didn't want to do a disservice to my athletes. I didn't want to do a disservice to the assistant coaches. I, I just, you know, I, I didn't want to fake it. Yeah. And I, I just, felt that it was time for a new challenge when i mean it took me it, i didn't decide right then and there you know mm-hmm. I, I i tried to get my batteries recharged and ready to go and refocus but it just over time it it just kind of hit me that i was i was ready for another challenge and another another uh opportunity opportunity and mm-hmm. just thought you know what maybe it's time for me to move on and let a younger man take over and uh tried to uh try to challenge myself in other ways did anybody it wasn't because you were losing on the mat was it jay no no, no okay. not at all because you no, weren't because no, you weren't I, losing were you no i mean we, we we've we had some successful teams here i mean our last few years uh see wrestling's so much different than basketball well, you I, I, was, I was talking about you personally huff no yeah like no, like no. you you in a one-on-one matchup Oh, oh! You mean when I was wrestling with the kids? Yeah, no, exactly. That, uh, yeah, that was that was that was never an issue. <laughs> um, it, it, I mean, no, and well, I'm, I was okay back in the day, and you know, I'm a grown man, and so you you're a little but, more than okay, Huff. You're a yeah, little more than okay. Uh, so, but uh, 
but yeah, no, but, and, but that, I'll be honest, that, that played a little bit of part of it. You know, as you get old, you know, wrestling coaches roll around with their kids quite a bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I were to wrestle live a couple of days, um, it'd take me a couple of days to recover, mm-hmm. you know, so and that, that probably played a small role in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but not a major role. No, sure. no. Sure. Well, well, before we before we lose all these basketball coaches going down memory lane with the other winter <laughs> sport here, uh, yeah. the, the reason I wanted to have you on, first of all, congratulations on the, the gig and, and uh, kind of reached out to you in, in that way. And that's how it all kind of started. Yep. And, and then I started thinking about, well, hey, it'd be a great perspective to have on as far as uh, an administrator coming on and, and talking about expectations of administration for their coaches and and more specifically, we as as winter sports coaches and as basketball coaches getting ready for our season, uh, what uh, what are you looking for for your coaches? And again, we're kind of talking more about basketball coaches yep. to get ready. Uh, what do you need to see from them? What's kind of on your checklist that you expect done uh, by your basketball coaches before or early uh, in their seasons? You know. I- I hate to be that guy, but it kind of goes to the end of the season before, mm-hmm. you know, take inventory of what you need for next year. No, have a plan of what you want to do between now and when the next season begins. And I think most good coaches do that, whether it's basketball, wrestling, football, anything. Um, they, they, they know where they want to go. They know where the direction they want to head in, not just, um, and I'm not talking philosophy and stuff like that, but I mean, they know if they need new equipment, they know if they need new basketballs, uniforms, whatever it may be. So we actually meet with our booster club in the spring. Um, and the coaches put a wish list together for the, for the next season. So it kind of starts back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once, uh, once the year rolls around, I, I think the biggest thing I'm, I'm expecting out. So all those little things should be taken care of, um, as far as equipment and all that kind of stuff should be taken care of before the school year starts. You know, we want to take care of that in, in the spring. Um, but now once we, once things roll around now, um, you know, I've been talking with my coaches, make sure we got our practice schedules together, make sure you get your transportation requests in, um, just be as organized as humanly possible before the season starts. Cause as coaches know, once the season starts, it, it goes quick. And if mm-hmm. you're, if you're trying to schedule, if you're trying to make a transportation request on a on a Thursday for a Friday game, it, it complicates life for everyone. Yeah. Uh, so I think the biggest thing it, before the season starts is have all your ducks in a row, have everything lined up, know your practice schedule, and you know sometimes life gets in the way and you have to deviate from that a little bit. But you know, that's it's it's just be as prepared as humanly possible is, is what I try to get my coaches to to be because I know. There were years as a coach when I was very, very prepared. Um, but I know when I was a younger coach, I wasn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. and so it, it just makes life and coaching's hard mm-hmm. and it makes it make, and it's just one less thing you have to worry about. If you have all of your schedules and your practice schedules, your transportation requests, uh, and all that, that stuff taken care of b- before even the first practice. So you don't have to worry about those things. You can just focus on what you need to do in practice and getting ready for games. So, What do you uh, talk to your coaches about when it comes to uh, putting teams together, uh, working with their parents? Is there anything you uh, like to see when it comes to, uh, I don't know if this is the right word, Jay, but preemptive 
uh, communications oh. and things like that uh, to try and make uh, those inevitable um, potential tough situations a, a little bit easier. Uh, yeah. what, what do you guys do there at Burlington when it comes to that? Stuff? Um, one of the things we we are any head coach, whether it be at the middle school or the high school level, if you're the head coach of any program, whether you're the head freshman coach, head sophomore, or JV, varsity, seventh grade, you we require that you have a parent meeting. Okay. And at that meeting, there's a few things, and I I tell them to go over rules and expectations, and I and, I, and one of the one of the big things I always tell them is uh, make it clear that after a game is not the time for a, for a student or for a parent coach conference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we, we try to make sure everyone has, we have, we call it 24 hour rule. Um, do not contact me for 24 hours unless it has to do with the safety of your child. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and so that, that's one of the things we try to instill. And the other thing is, is clearly communicate your expectations of practice, communicate your expectations of uh, travel and and all those things. So that way down the road, they can't say, well, coach never said this or coach didn't tell me this. Um, So we, we try to, we try to get, get out in front of it, I guess you could say. We have a lot of those conversations at that, at that parent meeting. Um, I encourage my varsity coaches to have a, to have a student or to have a handbook for their for um, for their sport, where it clearly identifies and clarifies some things. Um, but at the same time, I tell them make sure it, you include in that handbook all of this is the coach's discretion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because you know, one thing we talk about is fair for one student might not seem equal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so if you, and I think most coaches have been in that situation where you would handle one student athlete differently than you'd handle another. Um, you know, you might have one kid that you need to take along to the side and have a conversation with. And in that conversation, you can say about anything you want to them and you two will have a great relationship afterwards. And there's other student athletes that that approach doesn't work where he, he may need to be called out in front of his teammates to let him know that you know, these guys are counting on you. You're accountable to them as much as you are to me, you know, to yourself, that type of thing. Yeah. That's another thing we talk about is make sure you, you have, make sure you know your athletes and and approach them as individuals. I know it's, I know it's a team sport. It's tough sometimes. Um, but fair is not always equal. It's one of the things we we talk about. So, Mm -hmm. um, when you're, when you're, uh, working with your coaches, what is just, just, uh, just so the coaches listening can can learn to the best of their ability, what's one or two really big no nos for you as an administrator that you're just like, dude or dudette, yeah, don't um, do that, you know, type of a thing. You know, one of them's not even uh, is just communicate that you know nothing drives me more crazy when I get a parent phone call and the parents upset because of an incident that took place at an away game. And I know nothing about it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I, so I tell my guys and gals that, you know, if, if there's ever anything that I might get a phone call about or someone's upset and they said, they're going to call me, make sure I'm aware. So I know just so I'm prepared for it. You yeah. know, I've had a few, few times over the last year and a half where I get a phone call and the parents upset and angry and, my response is, ma'am or sir, uh, 
I'm going to have to get back to you on this one. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, you just, it's, it's tough when you're blindsided to have someone's back because at that point you're only hearing one side of the story. And unfortunately in our society today, that, that, that one side is off, awful skewed sometimes. So it, yeah. it, I try to make sure that, um, they keep me aware of what's going on in the program because you know I you can't as an AD you can't be at every practice or every event as much as you'd like to be, and so it's important to, to just communicate. Make sure that you know we we know my office knows what's going on. So if we have issues that will arise, we're aware and we're prepared. Mm-hmm. Was there was there anything about moving into your new job? Um, that working with your coaches and advising your coaches uh, that, and you're long, you were a long time head coach, Jay, you know, 20, 20 plus years. Uh, Was there anything that, that you learned about, you know, now that you are in this position that you're kind of surprised that you learned and you have a little bit different perspective about being uh, an activities director as opposed to when you were a head coach and you didn't quite have that same perspective or your perspective was different that you thought, right. you know, this, this, what, well, why is Bob, my AD not doing this here? Uh, and, and I'm sure you probably thought that over the years at some point, we yep. all do naturally. Uh, and yep. now you're, now you're in, now you're in that job and you're like, okay, now I get it. Now as a, <laughs> as, as a coach, I couldn't understand why, you know, this one or two things were such a big deal or right. why, why this didn't happen. And now that I'm in the position, okay, now I get it. Um, the, the probably the big, the biggest one there would probably be finances. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, why can't we get this new mat? Um, because it's expensive and, <laughs> and, and you don't have any money in your budget. That'd be why. So, so that was probably one of the, that was probably one of the biggest learning curves for me. Um, you know, we, we try to make sure our coaches have everything they need, but they might not have everything they want. And I think that's the way it is for most programs. I mean, we would all like the, the newest, fanciest equipment and, the you know, the shiny new uniforms every year. But, you know, realistically, those things aren't options. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think um, the, the financial side um, surprised me a little bit. Um, uh, and, you know, the other thing was um, – when you set up for a wrestling tournament or something like that, I, I, I was fortunate. Um, one of my ADs I worked for here in Burlington was an old wrestling coach and he was a wrestling official. So he understood and he got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the, uh, um, other ADs I worked for, you know, they were not from the same background as I was. Mm-hmm. So one thing I, I found out pretty quickly is like we host conference cross country tomorrow my fingers in that have not been very deep because <laughs> it'd be like, you know, that's not my wheelhouse. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I kind of let the coaches take the lead and I always, so that, that's, that's been another area I, that, you know, cause when I would run a wrestling meet, I, I knew what to do. I knew how to set things up and everything mm-hmm. like that. And I always wondered why the AD didn't do it. Well, now it, it's a different, different approach when, Mm-hmm. somebody else you know like basketball i'm not yeah. going to tell a basketball coach how to run their practice i don't you know I'm, I'm, i was good at pig back in the day but that's the extent of my yeah. Yeah. my basketball skills so I, you know that's one thing I, that, that other than the finances is letting the coaches uh lead the way on a lot of stuff because that that is their area of expertise you know 
Well, I, I just just for clarification for your basketball coaches at Burlington High School, I can attest that <laughs> out of out of all uh, the the future national champion wrestlers that we had in our class, your basketball skills were at the top of that group, and I, I believe. Somewhere in Ron's video collection or DVD collection, if it's oh, been converted no. from VHS, there's a couple of ball oh. games on there uh, oh, no. where, where, where uh, athletic director Huff was, was showing off his, his moves that he perfected on the asphalt jungle of the Central Middle School blacktop there. So, <laughs> Yeah, we had uh, – people are still impressed to this day that a wrestling coach can shoot as well as I can. I will admit that. <laughs> But, which means which means I'm one from twenty from the free throw line. But <laughs> hey, that's so. that's that's better than most of them. That's better than yeah. most. So, Jay Huff, the activities director and and former childhood or a childhood friend of mine, for uh, classmate, we we grew up together. Uh, Jay, this is this has been a, a special little clip here to uh, to tape for our listeners here, and uh, I, I hope you've enjoyed being on the pod. It's great to talk to you, man. Hey. Great hearing from you, Marty. It was good to catch up, and uh, I'm happy to, happy to do it. All right, awesome. And that'll wrap it up for Quick Hitters Volume 7, episode number 98 altogether, closing in on 100. I uh, cannot thank Jamie Smith from Solon High School in Solon, Iowa, for coming on. Doc Sadler, the assistant men's basketball coach at the University of Nebraska. Todd Eisner, the head men's basketball coach at Winona State University in Minnesota. And Jay Huff, my former classmate, my childhood friend, the activities director at Burlington High School in Burlington, Iowa. Uh, again, check us out uh, at a pen and a napkin on Twitter. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Uh, check out our Pen and a Napkin University video selection, whether it's personal growth and development or, or the defensive series. Check those out. They're very, very affordable, and they're going to have great information for you, coaches. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time. <laughs>